Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited about tonight and I'm excited about my life and I'm excited about all that God has for us. And it's just, uh, you know, when I remember riding a riding lawnmower back in Zeno, Ohio, when I was just being called into the ministry and I had it all figured out, I thought, and boy, it's not been that way at all. It's been about a hundred times better. Uh, sometimes it's been complicated, but Lord helped me work through all that. And I'm just talking to you here to help a little bit. So let's, let's go over, first of all, to Proverbs chapter 4. And I was going to say to you that Jordan asked me, too, if I would mind teaching on, I think it's uh, uh, December the 30th, I think, a Friday night, and I'm going to teach on prosperity. I hope you'll come. I hope you'll listen tonight. You may think you know everything about healing, but I don't think you do yet. And I know I don't yet, but I'm moving in it, and I've been studying it pretty strongly for 45, 50 years when I found out about it. Of course, I didn't know anything about it at first, but we, we figured some things out with the Lord's help. So anyway, so we'll see how we can go tonight and time-wise try to get as much in as I can. I wanted to make a comment. We're in Proverbs 4. We're going to start in verse 20 in a minute, but I'm going to talk to you about this. You need to hear from God. It's critical that you hear from God. Yes. You know, I know people get this think, well, I know the Bible. Well, you could know the Bible and still fail. I don't know if you realize that. You have to live the Bible to make it work. You can't just know a scripture or two in your head. That won't put you over in life. It might get you a little buzz, but it won't do the job fully until we get absorbed with it. And it's in our heart in abundance. You know, I'm talking to all of us, including me. You have to think about this, and you have to be willing to hear it and hear it and hear it until you think you've heard enough, and that's about the time you're just getting started. So... And it's critical because sometimes, and I didn't originate this thought, I think Brother Hagin said it, but it's such a powerful thought, I think I'll speak it too. He said some people went to the doctor and that killed them, and some people didn't go to the doctor and that killed them. Right. So what was the issue? They didn't hear right. right. Yes. You know, if you don't hear right, no matter what you do, you're going to be wrong. Yes. Right. Just a side thought there. And if you pray enough in the Spirit and give yourself some meditative time, yeah. then you've got to learn to shut down some things around you. You know, the Bible, Paul says, uh, attend upon the Lord without distraction. Man, that's a, that's a challenge of our generation right now. I don't ever remember being this busy in my life. I'm 73. So uh, I know I've had to pay, pace myself and act different and think about my private time with God, how critical that is, and I can't let anything interfere with that. And you need to have that same attitude. Because then if you have something that's really critical and you don't hear right, then you're in trouble. <laughs> I'm not trying to preach being in trouble. I'm trying to teach you don't be in trouble. But it goes with being able to hear from God. You know what I'm saying? I hope you know because it's important. I'm going to talk to you about some other things too. But let's look at this Proverbs 4. And this is a key scripture for anybody that wants to be healed and stay healed. He says, my son, or you could say my son or daughter, attend to my words, unto God's word. Incline your ear under my sayings. See, that's something that comes, just shouts at me, you know. You can't just read something silently. I mean, you can, but it won't be the force it's supposed to be. I read my Bible out loud when I'm alone. I always read it out loud if I'm reading it. I read it out loud and let myself hear it because it said, incline your ear. 
unto my sayings, unto the sayings of God. And there, that's what this is, the Bible. That's the sayings of God. That's what he thinks about everything. Yes. And everything's in here that you need to think about. Yes, sir. <laughs> everything. And he says, uh, attend. So you have to pay attention to the word. That's the thing I'm trying to say. First things first, we got to get to the word first and pay attention to that. And you got to get all this out of your head about your mom and your grandma and your aunt and all of them. They died what they died with, how old they were, how many times they had surgeries and chemo and all. You're going to be a mess. You're going to have to just think about yourself in that moment and God's word. What does God's word mean to you? I just decided that about 40 years ago, I'm not going to be dependent on everybody else's experience that they tell me they had with God because they may or may not know anything. <laughs> and they may didn't know how to get a hold of God. Or maybe they knew something. But you know, if you don't make it, and you should have and could have, that means you didn't know enough. I'd say with everybody we buried early, they didn't know enough. Either the parents didn't know enough or... Perhaps the person himself didn't know enough. Well, they were a good Christian. They weren't out running around shooting dope and sleeping around and all that stuff. But they didn't know enough. You can go to church all your life and never know enough. You know, because it's not what we do just at church. I just come to kind of help train you. You know, and I don't know everything, but I know something. And that's what I share what I know. I don't share what I don't know. So it's important. So first things first, we got to attend to God's word. You got to put God's word in sometime in your day. And whatever that means to you, you just have to turn the TV off and other things that got your attention. You know, let them not depart from your eyes. So that's another thing. It's important to look at your Bible. I know you have electronic things, some of you, and I'm not picking on you. Do whatever you like. But as long as you're reading it with your eyes, I think that's significant or it wouldn't be in my Bible to have to read it. All right. And don't let it depart from my... Keep them in the midst of your heart. And the main way of doing that is not in this verse exactly. It's in Psalm 15. It says you speak the truth into your heart. You speak it into your heart. See, you don't just meditate on it, but you've got to speak it. Remember that verse in Job I found one time? It's still running around in me. Job 32, 20. I will speak that I may be what? Refreshed. No speaky, no refreshy. And if your husband speaks, that's fine, but that's not you speaking if you're the lady. And that's fine if your parents speak it, but if you're not, if you're not married yet and you're single or you're a child in a home, you got to say it. Right. Amen. All right. It's just a personal thing. Yeah. All right. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart and you speak them in there. I think that was Psalm 15. I just quoted that, but you could look it up later. It says, for they are life. They are life unto those that find them. So this is the thing. I guess I'm going to have to look for it. Right. <laughs> I'm going to have to spend some time looking up some things. And uh, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. One translation says the word health there means medicine in the Hebrew. It's really the word rapha for healer and to all their flesh. And that, then I have a little thing taped in the bottom of a Bible here from uh, Lesser and Rotherham. Those are two Bible translators. And verse 22, Lesser, Isaac Lesser, he was a Hebrew guy. And to all his body a healing. That's the way that he states it. That, that verse in 20, uh, 22. And then Rotherham. To every part of one's flesh. They bring healing. The Bible has enough power in it. To give healing to my eyes. Bottom of my feet. My hips. Every organ. Every hormone regulation. <laughs> needs to go right. All the electrical stuff that goes on inside the human. When they're alive. You know. Got electrical stuff going. And all kinds of stuff. But it's to every part of one's flesh. They bring healing. So this is how important the word is. 
So, you know, you could study end times, but brother and sister, I wouldn't personally work on that. If it, you know, it might even be here in end times. Right. You, you may be going on a lot sooner than you think if you don't study this. Because we've got to stay up to date with what God's trying to do. And there's a move of God on. I, I just know what I know. And the angels are moving and they're trying to help us. I had a little visitation today. Hey, hallelujah. Mean they come to your home? If I'm there, they do. Yeah, okay. Uh, verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the forces that should read of life. So this is something we have to come back into constantly and look at again. We're talking about divine health, divine healing. Really there's, there's divine healing, there's divine life. And then there, you know, that just escalates up the process there where you just get to where you're just flowing in the power of God and just dealing with all the stuff that touches your body all the time. Yeah, and, I, and I don't want, I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this to encourage you. There is something in the Bible about every sickness and every disease. Right. I don't even know what all of them are yet. You don't either. Don't act like you know that because you don't. Yeah. You're, you're not God. I'm not either. But there's things coming that are going to be atrocious if we don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Right. See? But you have to realize, see, what the medical people put on things sometimes becomes the earmark that we listen to that makes it so damnable to you. So intimidating. Really, a headache or cancer is not any different if you just believe it, you're healed of everything. Don't put, a, don't put an emphasis on that, like, oh my God, I got leukemia. No, you should never say that. You say, you know, I pray and believe for this to leave my body. Talk to it, make it leave. You know, it may not want to leave. You know, the devil likes to chew things and eat things, and he's, he's vicious. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm just saying to give it, shove it back on him. Yeah. <laughs> you take it. I'm not going to take it. All right. Let's go over here to 2 Peter a minute. I'm going to say some things that maybe you haven't heard me say. Plus, I'll probably say some things you have heard me say. 2 Peter chapter 1. I wanted to <clears throat> go in this direction for a little bit. And then I have all these are healing testimonies. This is just a por partial, partial thing. I'm going to do a new book, and I'm going to put about 300 healings in my new book. I'm going to teach. I'm not going to teach it. I'm not going to make it a big thick book, but I think that's what I'm going to do. These are just a little summer summary. This, this is not all of them. Where's Olivia? Is she here? Oh, she's in the back working, right? See, I should have known that. But I don't hardly work here anymore. You know, I just show up every once in a while. Anyway, we, she's got a bit, another list that isn't these, and I've got more than these at home. I, still, I just went over these today. I, I'm just guessing there's probably... 40 of them. These are just a little sketch thing. I was going to read all of them, but I don't think we have time. But it'd be interesting if we did. And I may read several to you. But Second Peter chapter 1, I'm ta talking to you about living in hell. But, you know, there will come a time when you go, you go, go home, but you don't have to be sick. You don't have to be sick. I know people, you know, in the natural, people say, well, if I get healed, how am I going to die? You can just lay down and say, I'm done. God bless you. Bye-bye. That's not hard if you just listen to me. You, something doesn't have to make you leave your body. I don't know. That, that, the Bible doesn't teach that. But the Bible does teach if you let something, it'll evict you. You know, it'll throw you out. You're like the sheriff came to your apartment. You're done. You haven't paid rent for a year. You're throwing out. We're throwing you out. And then you've got no choice but to leave. But that's not the way God ever talked to us to live. He said, make your choice. Choose life. Deuteronomy 30, 18 through 20, who choose life and that you and your children may live. And that says something else to me here, that if you don't live right, it'll come down on your children sometimes or your grandchildren. Yes. 
It's a little thought there. It's not just about you. It is about you, but it's more than that. I mean, it has to be taken personally. So I wanted to read what Peter said about something here. It's kind of interesting. Second Peter chapter 1, let me find my reference here, uh, 12 through 14. He says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though we know them, though you know them and are established in the present truth. Now that's pretty strong writing there. If you're already established in the present truth, but he's going to keep reminding this group of people that's in the earth with him, just like I keep reminding people that are in the earth with me, you got angels. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you ever get exhausted teaching that? Never. I don't know everything about it yet. I've only been studying it 42 years. Come on. Give me a little latitude there. Yea, I think it is necessary as long as I am in this tabernacle, that's his body, verse 13, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. That's what I'm doing tonight, kind of stirring you up about healing and health and divine life. You can get into a place of divine life. You probably won't be into it by Thursday. This is Wednesday, but you could get into it eventually if you're patient and steadfast and won't quit and won't give up and won't throw down your shield. You know, you know, I just know what I know. And I know the devil would love for us to throw our shields down and get frustrated because we don't understand what happened in somebody's life. Right. Well, are you somebody else or are you you? Right. Right. I'm just me. I don't live in other people's bodies yeah. or in their head. Oh, my gosh. God forbid. <laughs> Thank you, Father. I plead the blood over my brain and mind. I'm not taking any extras on. Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus has showed me. So here Jesus showed him, you're about ready to leave, buddy. You know when you're going to leave? Yeah, first of all, when you're satisfied. Or if you don't do that, when he tells you you've got to get out. Because you weren't doing what I'm teaching. You know, if you get to that point, you've got to just turn it loose, baby. And the devil works on people, you know, it just little things sometimes until it just mounts up and you say, why do I want to keep doing this? I'm kind of like Paul, maybe not at his level yet, of course, but I'm kind of like him. I have a desire to depart, be with Christ, which is far better, but I think the body has need of me. I don't really think they do. God told me that he needed me to stay in the earth longer, so I've almost went home two or three times in my lifetime already, so, but he's going to talk to me when I get ready to go. And there's another area here we're going to look at in just a minute. Let's go to Hosea 4. I just want you to see that God doesn't forgive you, forget you just because you're coming home. He will tell you when you're going to go home. And if I don't hear him talking, then I'm not going to plan for that. I want to live until I'm done. Until I'm done doing whatever I need to do to fulfill whatever he said. <laughs> I've already been there a couple times in my life when I was 38. And the Lord said, you keep thinking like you're thinking, Michael, you're coming home. I said, well, can we talk about it? Nope, I've already talked to you. So he kind of just left me on my own for about two weeks. I couldn't talk to him. He didn't want to talk to me about it. Okay, he wasn't mad at me. He just said, you're starting to create a hologram up here. And when it gets all completed, then at that moment, because you're a faith man, your faith will just draw you up <laughs> into heaven, whether you want to go or not at that point. Because you've lost your ability to choose, right? Okay, I'm just talking. I hope you're listening. I didn't get there overnight with that either. Mm -hmm. Now, Hosea 4 and 6, this says, My people, this is talking about covenant people in the Old Testament. We're covenant people of a new covenant. They said they're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
We weren't destroyed because the devil was so mean and, and, and powerful and we couldn't handle him. That's not what that says. No, you get destroyed because you don't know enough. You, don't, you haven't got a handle on what you say and how critical it is how you talk. Just, I mean, just everyday stuff. Yeah. I met a pastor, I think it was yesterday or day two ago. I was shopping. I was paying at the cash register. He was a very nice man. And he, I said, well, I'm a preacher. He said, I was a pastor for 40 years. And he, and he said, I'm 78. And he said, you know, you're only going to live to 70. And I really had to hold my tongue there because there's people in line behind me. And he's such a sweet man. He's an older man than me. And I showed respect to him. I wanted to say, well, you sure didn't learn about that from the Bible. He quoted the scripture, but he quoted the wrong one. He quoted the wrong one. Yeah, you know, you can quote the wrong one too, and it just bash you in the head. <laughs> he said three score and ten, and he said, I'm already 78. I'm living in the overflow. And I started to say, Brother, you can live to 120 if you want to live that. I don't know if you're married and you want to live with her and all that. You know, I'm not your counselor. But he just thought that was great. But I thought that's pretty not do smart to be a pastor for 40 years and not knowing. But then again, I thought about myself. I was 60 before I figured this out. That's only 13 years ago. There's a lot of people just like him or worse. They just make up stuff. You know, like she was talking about. Sometimes you just think you heard somebody say something. And now what they said could have been true in some area, but it didn't really scripturally true. Then you get in trouble because you're on an assumption. And really, a better name for assumption would be unbelief. <laughs> and God doesn't respond to that. You know, when I'm in unbelief, he just leaves me alone. Because he's not responding to unbelief. He responds to faith. All right. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you. And I just didn't feel it was an appropriate time. I'm shopping and paying the guy for things that I just bought. I'm not here to lecture him and take an offering from the crowd and all that. But I didn't want to come across like I knew it all. And, and I said, well, I'm 73. But I didn't respond to his comment about, you know, how he was living on the fringe, kind of, because he said he went past 70, 78. But when he said, I've been a pastor for 40 years, I said, well, God bless you, sir. Appreciate your service. But I didn't scream at him and say, what's wrong with you? Haven't you ever read Genesis 6-3 or didn't you know that? Then I'd get in a big argument or a fight. I'm not going to do that with people. I'm not, the, I'm, not his, I'm not God's policeman. I am spiritually in the spirit world, but not to correct everybody that has been destroyed for lack of knowledge. So he kind of acted like he could go any minute. No, not, I was reading a book. Another person wrote, a friend of mine wrote a good book on healing. It's really thick. And he said, the guy I work for, he said, well, I'll see you tomorrow. And he'd always say, Lord willing. And then he said, the Lord spoke to him, said, don't ever go home with him from work because he don't even know if he'll live through that. <laughs> you think that's funny. It wouldn't be funny if he got killed doing that stupid, stupid stuff. Why would you get in the car with a person who's not even sure he's going to show up the next day? And he's got little kids at home and a wife, and he's going to make a widow and an orphan out of them if he don't get in faith sometime. I think he just thought he's being cute. I think a lot of people think they're cute. They're cute, all right, but not for God. They're cute for the devil. He takes advantage of people like that. And I'm smart enough to know if God said, don't go this way today in your car or don't get on that airplane, then I'm not going to do that. But if he doesn't say that, I'm going to just go ahead with my good self. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And it says, because you rejected knowledge, I will reject you, that you'll be no priest to me anymore, seeing you've forgotten the law of your God, I'll also forget your children. Again, a, a, a kind of a comment there about the effect on your children from you rejecting knowledge. I mean, my parents, I don't know. You know, I love my parents. I want to honor them the best I can. My mother was a prayer warrior, and my dad was a hard worker, and he loved me. He was my stepfather, but I took his name because I wanted to respect him. And I went to court and paid for it. I did that. He didn't do it. I did it. Okay. Just thought you'd like to know that kind of person I am. But you see, this would indicate that if your parents didn't teach you or somebody else, then you wouldn't figure it out. And there's things that come down through families we would call them familiar spirits today. And you have one of those attached to you too, just like God gives you an angel, but the devil signs a familiar spirit to get this already familiar with all your in-laws and outlaws. And you don't know everything they did either. Don't think you do. But they could have repented too and washed it all out and got you mercy covered and blood covered and faith. <laughs> I'm preaching pretty good for off the cuff here. All right. So anyway, let's see here. So sometimes people have a lack of knowledge or they, did, or they didn't know enough. Let's, let's go over here to Psalm, uh, Psalms, let me see here, Psalms, Psalm 91, a minute, and I'm going to just hammer a verse for a minute, <laughs> hammer it. I'm going to explain it a little bit. Verse 16, and we want to talk about this a second here. Um, and you know, there's just all these papers right here in my hand all deal with long life. I cut them right out of the book. I bought a bunch of those books. I cut one up. I, I cut stuff up. Yeah. And if it's not right, it, go, it goes in the shredder. Right. Yeah. I got a shredder takes care of all that unbelief. But this is just not my writing, but I did read it and studied it, so it's become mine. Yeah. All right. And the guy that wrote it here says, with, Psalm 91:16, With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Right. So... One of the keys to know if you're done, you're satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how many people make it to that point. I, don't, I know most of the people I buried in my lifetime, I, they, I don't think they were satisfied at all. Now, my wife knew more than the average person, so she knew where she was going. And, you know, when she finally said, I want you to let me go, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to try to override that? Then, then you're the devil. You're trying to change somebody's will right then. I was trying to change the thing, the situation to be different, but I didn't get, get, get to change by then. And at that point, I knew I'm going to have to get in agreement with her. And so, you know, I was upset about it at the moment. I don't know how you'd be, you know, if you really love somebody. But I said, well... I've never heard you complain about anything, but I know we've been to hell and back, you especially. So give me a minute to get it together, and then I'll pray for you to go home easy, go home peacefully, and I'll be here with you when you go. How would you know that? Because I just know. I know some things. And like two days later, she just went home. Wasn't no struggle to gasp or anything. She just buried her last breath and left. I'm just talking a minute. Don't get all emotional and sloppy on me now. Come back. You know, she's not Jesus. She knows him, and she knew where she was going, but she just got tired of it putting up with it, and I didn't blame her a bit. Because <laughs> I, I was with her at every appointment and every doctor's conversation, 
I was there. I know what they said. They, you know, they did all they could. They just couldn't do it either. All right. So now let me talk to you about something really. So listen, you're supposed to have a long life. First of all, let's establish that. And you're supposed to be satisfied. So those are two keys right there. And I think you could know that if you walk with God. We could know if I'm satisfied or not. I'm just talking to you. I don't know about I've got a covenant with God. And when my wife went home right then, all of a sudden the devil attacked me verbally. He said, why don't you just come home too? You know, you're getting older now and all that. And he got in, he just said that and got in my head for a minute there. And all of a sudden, Jesus started speaking. He rebuked him. He's only done that twice for me in my life. The Lord, I mean, rebuked the devil in my behalf. He said, shut up, Satan. And he began to talk to me. He said, well, I'm going to, you told me, Michael, you told me, Michael, and I could finish the sentence when I was 38. Yeah, that's right. And you said you were willing to stay until I was done with you. Did you not say that to me? He was kind of getting intense. I said, yes, I do. And how many times have you held me to my word to do what I said I'd do? I said every single time I could. Because that's all I had to go on most of the time. You know, when you're laying in a hospital and they examine you and give you a spinal tap and tell you you got some kind of virus in your brain. They don't know how it got there. They don't know how long it's staying. They're not even sure what it'll do to you. And they got nothing to treat me with it. I said, wait, you don't got nothing? Okay. Well, you got any pain meds? Because, I mean, I can't hardly function. I got something that'll put you down, Michael. She said that. I remember she said that and went like that. I got a prescription that'll put you down. I said, okay, I'll take it. Because... I'm going to go home. I'm going to do nothing but lay around and stuff. I'm just so messed up. My brain feels like it's going to explode. She didn't say, well, that's not what it's supposed to do. She acknowledged they didn't, the medical industry didn't even know what kind of virus it was from or where I got it at, how it got up in my brain. I just remember how lousy I felt. (laughs) So I said, okay, well, then give me something for pain, I guess. That's all you can do. And boy, it did put me down. And when I got done with all that, I said, now, Father, I want those two weeks back. Remember when I talked to you, I wanted to go home at this age? I wanted two weeks added on to that because the devil cheated me on that. He said, no problem. You may change it a couple more times before you come. Okay. That encouraged me for some reason. So, now listen to me. Everyone who dies early doesn't necessarily die of sickness and disease. I'm going to give you three things I wrote down real quick. And these are not his words, but these are mine. My, my writing's in here, and my highlighters are everywhere. You know I am a doctor, you know. I got some more to say tonight, so don't run off on me yet. But number one thing that will kill you quicker than anything is strife. James chapter 3. And I'll just run over there and read it to you. You, don't, you could just write it down because I want to go a little quicker. But if you want to look at it with me, you can. But I'm going to read it here. James chapter 3. Let me see. Okay. Verse 16, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. I mean, that's, just, that's a mouthful. Every evil work. I mean, you talk about the epitome of the devil, that's it right there. <laughs> every evil work. Even things I haven't thought about that's evil. And I don't try to think about evil. I'm just kind of making a point here. Every kind of evil is imaginable. It says, because you got in strife, you get in confusion and every evil work. Yeah. 
And then he says, but the wisdom that's from above, that would be God's wisdom through the Bible, through him speaking and the Bible, either way, uh, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. In other words, you could talk to God about it. He's not going to hurt you for that. He's going to try to respond to you. And uh, easy to be entreated, full of mercy. Oh, thank you, Father. And good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. See, just remember, anything I'm teaching, God is without partiality. He will do for you what he did for anybody in the Bible if you have faith. Now, I would like to say this as humbly as I can. You're not going to get any of this just because I tell you this. You're going to have to pursue it. You're going to have to be hungry for this or you can't have it. It's not that you're ignorant. It's not that you're just not trying, but you're going to have to be serious about your feeding of the Bible in your mind and in your heart and in your mouth. And if it's, le- if it's not in all three places, you're in trouble. You don't have to know the whole Bible to be healed. You just need to be, be real and have faith in a few verses. But you have to stay with it. That's what I'm saying. So if people get into strife, you know, some people just, I was a construction worker, and I'm telling you, some of those guys are ornery. I mean, they are ornery and they're mean people. <laughs> I've about gotten a fight a couple times on the job. I still had my, my tool belt on. I had my hammer. Yeah. I mean, he was going to tell me what he's going to tell me, and I talked it back to him. Then I got called to the headquarters, which was my dad. He was my real dad, was the superintendent on that job. He said, you can't talk to them. I, well, then tell them to quit talking to me about how they talk. Yes, sir. He didn't like my response either. Well. All right. I wasn't starting anything, but he started it. And we, we both stood up, so I got a hammer right here, baby. Come on. You can bring it or just sit down. Or somebody's going to get hurt here. Now, that's not the right way to behave. I'm not endorsing that. I was a baby Christian then. Then here's another one that's a problem, unforgiveness. When you think about somebody that really did you wrong, and maybe maybe the devil helps you or somehow helps you envelop that, like, you know, they're really major bad, and then that's okay to not forgive them. That's not true. And let's go back quickly to the book of Matthew, chapter 18, I think it is, or 19. Let me find it. Matthew 18 or 19, I think it might be 18. I'm not positive. Uh, it is 18. And Peter said to him, to the Lord, verse 21, I'm talking about unforgiveness. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says, Peter came to him, to Jesus, Lord, how often does my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus said, I say not until, the, until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And he was talking about in the course of a day. That's 490 times. <laughs> you have to go back and apologize. But anyway, you get down here at the end of this whole teaching. You know, I was talking about a guy that owed somebody money, and the guy had compassion and mercy on this person, said, I forgive you your debt. And then uh, the guy that got forgiven went out and tried to do the same thing to people under him, and he had no mercy for anybody. He had no compassion. I didn't realize God had totally transformed him and let him off the hook yeah. for a debt that he owed. Verse 33 says, should not thou have also had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? And he was, the Lord was wroth with him and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trust. And it's a little tricky here. Just listen to me. I think you'd see it clearer. Now, God's not doing that to them personally, though it says my Father, but you violated the covenant by doing that. So that's all that God's got for you. He doesn't bless rebellion. 
You know, that's what the devil's matter with him. He's so full of himself and he's so, oh, he's just stoked on how powerful he is. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not powerful at all, if you know your Bible. Now, the knowledge will make it where he's no, no, no big deal. I mean, uh, you have to stand up to him, right. but you can do it. Yes. You're a joint heir with Jesus, remember? Yes. So, but see, this indicates if I don't forgive people from my heart, yes. the innermost part of my being, that's what he means, not my physical heart, but my spirit, man, I don't forgive people, then I get in trouble. Right. Then stuff doesn't work for me. And then I got enemies coming against me that I opened the door to that unknowingly, but I did. Right. You remember that lady I told you about? I had her in her prayer line, and I said, "Come out of her." And this spirit walked out of her about five or six feet. He looked at me. He looked like he was angry at me. I was thrilled that he was angry. <laughs> he went, and then all of a sudden he turned around and walked right back in her. And I don't, I don't remember her name. If I did, I wouldn't tell. This is color uh, Mary. No, no intention if your name's Mary. But anyway. She said, well, there's nothing wrong with me. I said, no, there is. And that devil's in you now. So either you want me to pray for you to forgive what you're, you got to deal against somebody. That's what the issue is. And you left the door wide open or he wouldn't have come back in. Yeah. I saw it with my, my eyes in discerning his spirits. I told her about it. Well, I don't like my husband. I said, well, did he hurt you? Did he beat you up? Did he do something terrible for you? No. I said, well, then you need to repent. Yeah. You know, I mean, but this is no time to play with this. I got other people to pray for. So either just go ahead and leave. You can come back Sunday. I'll try to help you if I can. Probably not going to be able to with your attitude because you're not really honest. You're just not being honest. Take your devil. Just go home. Live with your husband. That's sorry. Do you think he's sorry? Or you're going to have to repent right now and pray with me to forgive him. Well, I think I'll just pray to forgive him. I said, that's a good choice. And we prayed. I took her hand. I said, Father, I forgive my husband. And she said that. And I said, amen. She said, amen. And I didn't have to say anything. The devil just came out. Again, he still looked mad at me. Like, I caught him. I didn't catch him, but I mean, I caught what he was doing, and he had to stay out. But I didn't have to repeat, come out, because that was already given in faith. Yeah. Right. That I did on my side of it, but she, on her side of it, she wanted to keep that because she's mad at her husband. Right. Keep her devil. I said, you can just keep your devil and go on home. Right. I'm not going to get you delivered if you don't want delivered. You know, you can't kick your friends out. Right. Okay. Right. So we've got to forgive people. And then thirdly, I wrote this down, fear. In Job 3.25 and 26, you know the scriptures probably, Job 3.25, says, I, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. See, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. So you have to control your thinking and not let fear get in and bring other things with it to where you begin to be afraid of all kinds of stuff. How am I going to make it? How am I going to live? If I get older, how am I going to make it until I get married? I don't know. How are you making it now? You know, you just got to determine you're not going to be fearful. And work on the areas where you feel there might be some intimidation. I'm not looking to start fights with people. Just like that guy at the mall that I was, would have loved to have said something to him. But he, did, he was working. I didn't have time to take him to get a cup of coffee and explain to him that. He might not even like what I said. Much less he didn't want to know it maybe. That's the way a lot of people are with me. They act like you. I can't believe you said that. Well, I wasn't hurt, trying to hurt anybody. I was trying to help people. Okay. So we can see, though, from this verse up here in Psalm 91, 16, uh, uh, verses tell us that it's not God's will for us to die young, and it's not God's will that our physical bodies deteriorate slowly as we go get older. 
how would he, how would, let me say it again, how would that be satisfying anyway? No, and I, there's, I don't have time tonight. Just, I got four, probably four, you know, this probably just 10 or 15 sheets. This is all on long life. Mm -hmm. Length of days he shall have to content him, make him content, and find in me deliverance. In that area, that's that verse, Psalm 91, 16, different translation. Let's see here. Oh, this is good. Thy years prolong, Psalm 91, 16, uh, to thy heart my health dispensing grace impart. He's dispensing health to us even as we got older. And I found some other scriptures. It's, it's not all in these that I'm looking and marking out. I got others at home I didn't bring because I haven't got time to preach three and a half hours. And I'm just trying to do my job as best I can. But I'm telling you, see, it indicates as you get older, I, I may have kept some of those. Well, here it is here, right here. Uh, Psalm 92, 14. I have some outlines in my Bible on that that I looked up, but this is even more fuller. I, mean, I don't know how many translations this guy has in this book, more than I've ever heard of. He said he did study. He wasn't alive back then, but he did study from 1500 and something all the way till 2019. He wrote this book. Put, put all this compilation together. It says, uh, Psalm 92, 14, vigorous in old age like trees, full of sap, luxuriant, widespreading. They will still give fruit when they're old. They will be full of fruit of life and strength. Even when the righteous people become old, they do, they do many things that please God. They remain strong and full of energy. They don't sound like deterioration to me. <laughs> like trees that remain full of sap. And then he says, when nature declines, they still shall bear fruit. Their hopes shall revive. Think about that. You never get too old to revive. Their strength shall recruit, firm stand their foundation, and their faith fears no shock. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. Let me give you this one here, and then I got to get on into my message sometime tonight. Proverbs 3, verse 1 and 2, you can just write this. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that are that from a translation that I went over uh, last week or so. He says, length of days and years of a life worth living and tranquility inward and outward. You're going to have peace inwardly and outwardly. Continuing through old age till death, these shall they add to you. My son, do not forget my instruction. This is in chapter 3 of Proverbs 1 and 2. Let your heart keep my commandments because they will add to your length of life, your years of health. And there's something about a person getting old, getting older. Your length of life and your years of health and your welfare. Wow, that's awesome. All, see, you know, we don't know everything, do we yet? Not, not nearly. What I teach you, I'm still in Proverbs 3. These are just alternate translations. I never even heard of some of these. Uh, it says, remember what I tell you to do. What I teach, what I teach will give you a good long life and will go, it will go all well with you. Yeah, you will live a long time and your life will be successful. Length of days and years of life and peace will they be added to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you thought about this, I've never been in a nursing home that people were dancing and shouting and praising God. They may have had a service in a little room somewhere. Three people were there when the whole facility held 150, but 
I've just done a lot of things in my life. Went to nursing homes and ministered to people. So if the, if the Bible's true, they're not on the Bible there. They don't even know the Bible. I, I'm not saying it's bad to take care of older people. It's an honor to do that. You should be willing to do it. Thank God we got nurses that'll deal with that. Change diapers and everything. I mean, it's a, it's a tedious thing to take care of a human being. Unless you've known somebody that died and you were with them and you have no idea what I'm saying. You just think you know. But what I'm saying is the Bible says we could, if, if the Bible was true in everybody's life, the nursing homes would be the most spiritual place I'd go to first and give them a list of prayer requests. I asked them to pray for me. By gosh, they'd get them. Yeah. But that isn't true in most people. It isn't even true of your grandma sometimes, who loves you. But maybe she don't know how to get a hold of God. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I'm just talking. This is interesting. Lock these words of my close, let, let these words of mine close in your bosom. We don't talk like that anymore, but long years they shall bring light, tree of life well spent and therewith prosperity. I found some other verses. Don't know where they're at right now. I've got time to do this with you, the whole thing. But it's talked about as you get older, you have room for increase in your life and you have room for prosperity in your life. Think about that. You don't know former people that never heard anything like I've said tonight and don't know, go to church like this and don't know anybody can live beyond sickness and disease in their life. They look at old age as a very decrepit thing. Right. Oh my gosh, I'm, I don't want to be over 50. Well, there's 50 people that are a mess too. It's 20 and 30 people. But you have to get your mind renewed to this and see that you can live a long time in the planet and without sickness and disease, destroying your life and all of the above. Right. <laughs> okay, I'm just talking. Good. I'm trying to help you the best I know. All right, Melvin, you're sitting back here. I'm going to read yours to me. He said, uh, this is Melvin's healing thing he gave me a year or two back, maybe quite a bit. A little over four years ago, I had known you. That's way back, not four from now, but, and couldn't move, couldn't make it to church on Sunday. The next Tuesday night service, Dr. Tickets had a healing service, and a brother from church went up and got a prayer cloth for me, delivered it to, my, to me the next day. I was healed from pneumonia and was at church the next Sunday. I have kept that cloth folded on the nightstand for four years. See, and the problem is nobody respects that kind of stuff unless you know something or you just have a heart for God and for me that I put my anointing in that cloth. And he kept it laying by him, he said, for four years here. The last week of April this year, this was 218 when that happened. The second thing here, I pulled a muscle in my lower back that night. I took the prayer cloth and put it on my back. Not only did I get a good night's sleep, the next morning the pain was gone and I could move freely. He said, don't discard your prayer cloth. Mm-hmm. It's a lady that's 80 years old. I don't think I met her personally, but I think she's in Pastor Dennis's church. Her name's Annabelle. She's 80. She, and I went there to preach. I don't know what year this was. Let me see. 217, 2017. After many years of experiencing various kinds of sickness, disease, and accidents, I'd get healed of one, then another would pop up. You ever heard me say that before? Yeah. I believed I received deliverance and healing when Dr. Jacobs laid his hands on me and cast the spirit of infirmity. Glory to God. This happened on Thursday morning, July 20th, 2017 at the Word and Spirit Conference at Church on the Rock in Georgetown, Texas. Thank you, Dr. Jacobs, for your ministry to me and to our church body. It was awesome. 80 years old. And I asked, I asked Pastor Dennis about her personally. I said, is she very involved? Oh, my gosh, she's so faithful. Her and her husband both. But she'd never heard a message on spirit of infirmity. 
So that's what was dogging her. You know, she said she had one thing after another. Let me see here. <laughs> I'm a nurse practitioner. This lady lives in California, Fresno. I'm a nurse practitioner and have struggled with lung problems my entire life. A few years ago, Pastor Jacobs was at a meeting in Merced, and I was supposed to be hospitalized as all the emergency lung medications were not working for me. I knew I needed to be in church. I refused to be admitted in the hospital. Their plan was to put a tube in her to let her lungs rest, you know, breathe for her. Uh, and by that point, I could not recline 10 degrees back or take a deep breath at all without being short of breath. So I went to church, no medications. Pastor Jacobs called out specifically for a girl that could not take a deep breath and God wants to heal you. I went up and was prayed for. I was healed from that day forward. Amen. Pastor Jacobs had me take a deep breath right there in front of everybody and I was able. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Here's a lady. I think she's in Texas too. Rebecca. Not Rebecca Tillett. Another Rebecca. But she said on Friday, May the 1st, I had Dr. Jacobs lay hands on me for a tailbone injury, and I was instantly healed. I had injured my tailbone over 10 years ago, and my tailbone was bent under, causing a knot to form where the bone was bent incorrectly. I have been sitting quite uncomfortably, you can imagine this, on that knot for over 10 years. When I got up and sat down, I instantly knew the knot in my tailbone area was no longer there. On Saturday night, I got, uh, Saturday night, I sat through the entire service without any discomfort. I'm so grateful for God's healing power working in my body because now I can stand uh, and add this to my testimonies of all the wonderful things God's blessed me with. Amen. Imagine having a, some kind of growth on your tailbone when you sit, it constantly irritates you. That's not very pleasant for 10 years. This, this young man, I really like, appreciate him. His name's Ben, Benjamin. He said, when I was a junior in high school, I had nine cysts on my backside on his rear end. He had these cysts that came up on him. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just reading what he wrote. It was very embarrassing and painful. The symptoms are bleeding and pus. And we decided to go to the hospital and get them removed. This was late of 2014. In December 2019, that'd be five years, the symptoms came back. We, are, we were ready to go to the hospital again. They had to cut them out. Uh, but it would be supernaturally, but he said, I was believing to be supernaturally healed. I heard Dr. Jacobs was coming in February. I don't normally go to his church. I do now some, but he was in, he was in Pastor Hobbs' church when I was there praying for the sick, and he got in my prayer line. Dr. Jacobs laid his hands on me. I didn't know what for. I just had him come if they needed help on me that I would be healed. When he prayed for me, I didn't feel anything, but I kept my faith up. The next day, I had no symptoms, and everything was gone. All the knots disappeared. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's see here. I've been dealing with arthritic pain in my knees for about one and a half years. Last night, Dr. Jacobs laid his hands on me for bones, and I've been pain-free with no medication since. Praise God, I'm free from all pain. Let's see. Okay, Sunday night uh, services. I don't know where I was at. This looks like Nebraska uh, here, down here, the lady, or maybe a man, I'm not sure. But anyway, my right hip was, it said, Michael Jacobs prayed for my right hip, and immediately pain went away. 
I ushered Monday night. This is an elderly man. I remember him now. And he said, I was a catcher and I had no pain at catching. <laughs> He's got a bad hip. He's catching. He had no pain. Hey, that's good. I was trying to find this one. This is an accident. Somebody was in nine years ago and God just ministered to her. Let me read it to you. How about that? How about I just read it to you? I was in a car accident nine years ago. This lady is from Nebraska. Uh, at first, all seemed fine, but after a few months went by, I started having experiences vertigo whenever I tilted my head to the side. Then more and more pain started to come into my neck. I was finally diagnosed with whiplash that had not healed properly, and pinched nerves were in the problem in my shoulder blades. I, I was standing on healing and, use, and using... Wait a minute. I have stood on healing and used chiropractic services too. The pain was sometimes excruciating and sometimes would almost be gone, but never, not in nine years, had I ever had a day without pain. Imagine that. I might be, it might be mild or severe and more recently mild, but always was there. The night Dr. Jacobs prayed for me, I experienced a lightness as soon as he put his hands on my neck and all the pain went away and instantly I was healed. And then she put down here, so, so shocked to not have any pain anymore. <laughs> she put a smiley face on it. That's funny. Oh, my goodness. Let me see who this was. This is Joe Reuter. You mind if I read it? Pretty good. You know, Joe had what I had one time. It was called hepatitis C. And so he had it up, something come back on him after. This says 203 that happened in here, Joe. Um, 2003, I was diagnosed with hepatitis C after having some blood work done. And at that time, I didn't even know what it was. The doctor explained to me that hepatitis C is a blood virus which attacks the liver and other organs with no present cure medically. He explained it could be fatal. After a review of my past, he concluded that I contacted, contracted the virus through intravenous drug abuse, shooting dope, like I did too. That's what I had later in life. The doctors recommended was immediate treatments of Inferon, which is the equivalent of chemotherapy. I shared my faith with him and told him I believed God would heal me. God had already delivered me from alcoholism and drug addiction. The doctor set me up for a liver biopsy and scheduled Inferon treatment. I was sure that God would make a way and I would, have to, I would not have to go through all that. After hearing this report, I came to you, Pastor, and asked you to pray for me and agree with me that I would be, be healed. You laid hands on me and prayed the prayer of faith. You pleaded the blood of Jesus over me and gave me scriptures to stand on. This is a good scripture for blood problems, Joel 3.21. I quoted it to him. I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. You also have been preaching on confession and had the whole church confessing. Let the weak say, I am what? Strong. So these two scriptures marked me out as I prayed and studied. Now I was taking a stand and believing God. Uh, but I, though I looked at the natural and the symptoms grew worse. I was attacked with fatigue, mouth sores, which caused my lips to swell and bleed, pain in every tissue and organ of my body. I was bedridden for two weeks during which time I listened to your healing tapes and CDs, and faith came. Praise God. My wife and I had enough and wouldn't settle for anything other than total victory. <laughs> That's good to have a wife like that. <laughs> Get in there with you. Yeah. Within two weeks, things started to move, and my healing began to manifest. I went back to the doctor to get the results of the liver biopsy, after which I would begin the inferon treatment. I looked at him, and 
said, give me the news, doc. And he said, you're the luckiest man on earth. <laughs> he responded to that too, Joe did. There's no trace of hepatitis C in your blood anymore. He, he, and he, Joe said, I'm not lucky, I'm blessed. He said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. So anyway, that was just precious to a precious person too. That, that, that's just, I mean, I, I, I just barely got started. There was Benjamin's right here. I only did about this many of those. There was one though in here that's real interesting. If I could find it again, I'll try. And I have two testimonies in all of this. This is Pastor Nancy's testimony when I prayed for her and she got healed. But I, there was a one in here I wanted to talk to you about if I could find it real quick. And these are two medical reports from hospitals of people that had HIV, a male and a female, and they're both cleared. Hallelujah. They, I asked them if they'd give me a report, and they said, I can make a copy for you. I said, good. Okay. This, was, this, was, this is Sonny Flock's testimony. It is so powerful. I started crying reading it today. I'm still looking for the other one, but I'll read his because it is so powerful. You know Sonny Flock? This guy's son. <laughs> one of his sons. On March the 12th, 2010, I was in a very bad skiing accident. I skied face first into a rock. I broke over 22 bones in my body. My face was crushed. I broke both orbital bones. I think that's these, isn't it? Both jaw bones, broke my nose, broke my palate, broke two or three vertebrae in my neck, three or four in my back, broke several ribs, punctured lungs, collapsed lung, dis dissected carotid artery. You know, that's those big arteries that go to your brain. Uh, and lacerated pancreas and dislocated hip a broken femur, and my spleen was torn in two pieces. I was busted all up. I, lo I lost over half my blood one day, and for a brief moment, I lost all my vitals. I remember meeting the two helicopter pilots when I was with you and Mary that day. They came in, they said, is he, they looked at us, said, is he still here? And, we, and Les got up, he knew him, and he said, yeah, he's still, he's back there. He's doing better. But there was the guys that, they would have medevaced him, and they paddled him, you know, with the electric, you know, to get his heart beating again. I think he blue lined or whatever it's called a couple of times. Okay, said Dr. Jacobs uh, flew out to Denver and laid hands on me. My dad said that when, Do and I don't remember this, I remember laying hands on him, but said, you said to him that when Dr. Jacobs touched me, my body jolted and all of the machines I was hooked to started beeping and buzzing. The power of God went into my body. To make a long story short, I was back at work in five weeks, back in the gym on treadmill in eight weeks, running a 5K marathon up and down hills on 11 weeks from the accident. <laughs> How does a guy do that? <laughs> I mean, it didn't seem like there was anything left to bust up. It's just tragic. But, you know, he got to the other side of it. And I know he told me personally, he said, I never wore a helmet, but my friend that took him that went there, he said, you got, I want to buy you a helmet you know, to wear. And if he hadn't had a helmet on, he probably would have never made it because he skied right into a big old rock, a boulder. And there was a fi volunteer fireman close by that saw he was drowning in his own blood and went over and rolled him, rolled him a different way and put him up where he could not drown in his own blood. And then he called the medevac and they, they said they'd never landed a helicopter on a mountain like that. They had to land it sideways and you got to watch that blade. You know, if it gets contact, then you're in trouble too. Anyway. I was looking for this one that just was outstanding, and I, I haven't found it yet. And if I don't find it, I'll just quit preaching and pray for your healing in just a minute. And they're really good testimonies, too. I'm going by them kind of quick. 
This lady had double hernia, and I prayed for her on a Sunday night. She said she got a, uh, she had the hernia was caused by two surgeries she had had. On Monday morning, I prayed for her Sunday. Let me see. Sunday, and Monday she got up and went to a Zumba dance class at the health club. I don't know what Zumba, but it sounds energetic. <laughs> and uh, stopped at Costco, oh my gosh, and lifted heavy items. You ever go to Costco? You know you want to buy a thing and wash your dishes? It's this big, and it weighs 70 pounds to put it in the bucket. God bless Costco, okay. I'm not a fan or an opponent. I just know that's what it's like there. Been there, didn't do that, didn't like it too much, but anyway. I don't need 5,000 rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> Do you? You want to have toilet paper for the rest of your life? 5,000? Oh, my goodness. You're funny tonight. Quit that. Mm, this is a lady in the mental hospital. I think she was there. Let me see here. This was July 30th, 2016. I was delivered from severe and overwhelming a depression caused by a bipolar disorder. I have been in the mental hospital three times in the last two years. I take 15 meds a day uh, for the depression and the disorder. Last night, the Holy Spirit told me I will never have an episode again and that my medication was simply a temporary fix. I prayed for her. She was standing up, and I saw the Spirit come right out of her side, go through the wall of the church. I said, you got delivered. So I called back at that church. I know the pastor. He's not there anymore, but he was. And I said, how is so-and-so doing? He said, she's doing great since you've ministered to her. So I said, that's wonderful. I'm still looking for this one testimony. And uh, here it is right here. This was almost like Sonny, but a different deal. It says, fourth-stage lymphoma cancer in my lymph nodes, my kidneys, my abdomen, and my bones. The sternum, which is this bone in here, appeared moth-eaten. The cancer just ate holes in his sternum bone there. And I had a CAT scan, large tumor, and upper chest attached to the sternum and the second and third ribs. Oncologist said I would need six chemo treatments beginning in August, plus radiation afterwards for tumor. Dr. Jacobs prayed for me on August the 8th at World Harvest Church in Paducah. I'd been in extreme pain since April 2020 and was taking four hydrocodines. Is that right? Who's the nurse here? Hydrocodine, is that a medication? It's pretty pretty... Pretty strong stuff, right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking. No, no tie on all three. Play with it stuff. I just think if you're going to take meds, you ought to take the real thing and not be an addict. But anyway, the tumor disappeared. And I'll say the, the wait a minute. The morning of August the 9th, which means the next day, I had no pain. The tumor disappeared a few days later. The uh, mm, chemo treatment and told the oncologist about the lack of pain and the tumor being gone. He was uh, amazed and ordered another CAT scan to see if that was what was going on. And the, the CAT scan confirmed the tumor was gone and the lymph nodes and kidneys normal. The sternum did show something, but they said it could have been taking medication uh, for bone strengthening for that because that was so messed up in that bone in the sternum. There are all, you know, holes in it. Anyway. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm going to stop with that, but, <laughs> you know, we just have a lot of fun with all of this, you know, I mean, people getting healed, people getting teeth fixed and all kinds of stuff. I was going to read this to you, but I ran out of time. That's when I was nine years old coming out of JCPenney, a little boy selling candy bars. 
And I said to my mom, of course, I'd already been healed like Forrest Gump. Remember me, Forrest Gump, run, Michael, run? Yeah. And I said, Mom, can we do anything to help this boy? I was just a boy myself, probably 10 years old then. I got healed when I was five. And she said, well, honey, I don't know what it'd be. I said, well, it just don't seem right to see that little boy in a wheelchair outside J.C. Penney selling candy bars. But you know, about mm, maybe 10 years ago, I was in Mexico, and they brought a guy up in a wheelchair, and Dr. Dufresne was in the meeting. He was preaching. He looked at me and said, come up here, Michael. Dr. Jacobs, pray for this guy in the wheelchair. I prayed for him, and he got up and started walking. So he called and said, who does this guy belong to? And this little Mexican lady ran up. That's my husband. Said he hadn't been out of that wheelchair in eight years. Wow. Of course, he was straining, you know, to walk. And I had the usher kind of walk with him because he, you don't get on your legs for eight years. You know, you, you break out in a sweat because you're using all the muscles and you're not used to that anyway. So we still got somebody out of a wheelchair eventually. That was, I was nine, now I'm 73. So that was a long time ago, 63 years or something like that. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.